are just about ready to get kicked off. Julie, would you like to stay on camera? Um, you know what? I'll decide that now, right? You know what? You look really snazzy. I know. I had to get dressed fancy. up and go to meetings in Dallas. You're very fancy. Yeah. Mike and I both. Mike doesn't have his Three Stooges shirt on, which we're excited yeah, about. I know. We're, well, I couldn't find it. We're all doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, all I, right. I don't have my hoodie on, so we're good. Well, there's still time. The call is young. We've got plenty of time to get comfy. Um, okay, so we have everybody coming on in. So I will just uh, welcome everybody officially. We are recording today's session. Um, and we are so thrilled that you have joined us. Uh, my name is Kelia Garrido, and I head up marketing and events here at Great Data Minds. Great Data Minds is a collective of passionate data activists, and we are on a mission to change the conversation around data. And so we do this in two ways. Uh, the first is that we offer a full range of services around strategic planning, education, and the deployment of critical data projects. Um, and then we also produce a great uh, amount of data-related content and events, just like we're doing today. So, of course, check us out at greatdataminds.com to see what we're up to next. Uh, we will definitely um, have a beautifully redesigned website up within just a short while, so stay tuned for an official launch on that. We are very excited. Um, a little bit of housekeeping, as you will see, this is, of course, a webinar. I know after these last two years, everybody knows what that means, your cameras and yeah. your mics are off, but uh, we do so love and encourage participation. So please join us via the chat, which I see is already active, and you can ask to be unmuted, just like Julie did. Um, and if you want to just chime in, that's great. We really do encourage the discussion. And then, of course, we'll leave a little bit of time at the end for um, some Q&A. So um, about today's series, this is uh, the first of our new series that we're calling Leadership Perspectives. So in this series, we're gonna feature candid, slide-free, 30-minute discussions or so with impressive data and analytics leaders across the globe. Um, and you can listen in and see what cool projects they're working on, what their successes are, uh, what keeps them up at night, how do they stay healthy. And today we have our first victim. <laughs> Allow me to properly introduce Khalid Chowdhury. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Khalid. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, we'll All see right. what the victim is. Just start your day. Start your day with these these crazies. Yeah, there you so, go. Good. So, um, a little bit about Khalid's bio. Khalid is an accomplished and visionary data and analytics leader with a core focus in digital transformation, automation, strategic planning, forecasting, and agile cloud platforms. And he's got a proven track record of achieving great successes through building and transforming world-class teams, stress on the world, leveraging modern technologies and driving adoption. And he is currently serving as the Global Director of Data and Analytics at CMC Materials. He is based in Singapore for just a short while longer, and he manages a worldwide team for an American company. I'm trying to keep up with you, Khalid. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> the other two mugs that we have on the line are the usual suspects here at Great Data Minds. We have Mike Lampa, who is our very own Chief Analytics Officer, and Julie Burrows is our Chief Executive Officer. Sometimes I call her the Chief Extra Officer because she led right away with a swear. She just kicked it off first thing in the morning. <laughs> that's it. So thank you so much for joining us, everybody. And Mike, I'll turn the floor to you. Oh, thank you, Kaylee. Khalid, my friend, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. 
doing all right. I'm at my end of the day. You're starting hump day. I get to start that tomorrow. I have to find that t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I take right, so, every day as a new day. So uh, I have no issues with Mondays or Fridays. You know, that sounds like a good lyric for a song. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tell us a little about uh, CMC materials. CMC material is one of the leading manufacturer in the semiconductor and uh, performance material industry. So mm -hmm. we are headquartered out of Chicago. We are uh, roughly a mid-cap company that uh, is the world leader in providing services to the semiconductor industry today with uh, very advanced technology. So we are a company driven by innovation and uh, we are we support that through absolute quality to our customers. All right, so let's get into talking a little bit about your organization. What are you doing to contribute to all that innovation? You know, tell, tell me a little bit about your organization and how you got yourself structured. Sure. Um, first of all, I'm an accidental data professional. I mean, I didn't go and wake up to be a data professional one day. It was just... Uh, quite the routing, went from economics to management accounting to FBNA to finance director. Now somehow I am very fortunate to lead a group of ordinary folks that deliver extraordinary results. So that's why I say our team is extraordinary because we are all ordinary people delivering extraordinary results. That's awesome. So, uh, from that perspective, uh, the, the data analytics organization at CMC has uh, roughly three breakdowns. Mm -hmm. We are not so much into lines on the sand. We obviously step over each other's areas. And uh, the way we are roughly split out, we have a team that focuses on platform and engineering. So uh, that would be our the entire stack around integrations, data warehousing, data, uh, data mesh, whatever you call it, keep, people keep changing names. <laughs> keep changing the name, yeah. but I'm still doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People uh, have a tendency of liking that. Mm -hmm. um, we have the second group that is focused around uh, the other data management principles, meaning uh, looking into some of what we call data enablement. Uh, because we have found uh, there's such a strong stigma around governance, because mm. it, even if it doesn't start out being that we're not going to give you access to data, that's what it comes down to. Mm. So we are, instead of doing that, we are focusing on governance as a base of enabling people with the right data rather than pure compliance and governance. So metadata uh, management. Very quick, sorry to interrupt. Uh, share with us a little bit the challenges that you had turning that knob there, that governance knob. So we tried to ask the question differently. And uh, I would say that I haven't quite figured out the formula yet, but what we are trying to do is instead of saying that uh, everyone has to come ask for access, what we are trying to do is rather it's like, why should someone have to ask for access to data they should have access to? 
So what we are trying to do is trying to create roles and defining those roles and assigning people those roles. So mm -hmm. in that case, we only are going into access review if they're asking for something that we haven't thought of. So because of the preemptive that, hey, we're giving you more access to data than you actually are asking for, because these are the things we think you should be looking at. So rather than it's not a question about them asking us for access, we're asking, hey, what, what else do you need access to? Mm -hmm. And then we are taking the initiative from that. So from that perspective, um, it is a different question. Yeah, it's truly enabling too. How you, you yes. know, I love the preemptive uh, element that you. Because the reason have. is otherwise, if we try to manage by exception, there's just too many exception, and then from a role and access perspective, that also gets convoluted. Mm -hmm. So it works out in both ways, and then uh, one of the things that helps us in that process is we're investing in um, data discovery, data catalog, better mm -hmm. management, and things like that. Uh, with good lineage and all that fun stuff so people can explore the data without getting access to it. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to find ownership. Again, it comes from enablement. enablement. Like, hey, this is a business unit data. I have no clue to give you approved access. However, what we're trying to do is we're creating partnership with the business owner, designate your owner of your data, and they get to decide who they get access to instead of someone mm -hmm. in IT trying to make that decision. We're working with a partnership with finance to ensure that we're still complying with uh, regulations and things like that. But uh, mm. uh, it's an iterative process. It's an iterative process. I'm picking up signals that the business is seeing a ton of value from this. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got these three segments. Um, you know, typical questions that come up is, do I centralize, do I decentralize? Um, how, how are you navigating this transformation that you're driving inside your organization? So uh, I guess the third portion of my team that are called analytics technologists or analytics engineer, however you wanna call it, uh, they are embedded headcounts. What I mean by embedded headcounts is they are part of my team, but they're embedded for functions and businesses. So mm -hmm. uh, one of them focuses on commercial, one of them focuses on financials, and they are into different areas. Um, what happens is that allows us to give them a good team to work with, to lean on. So they push each other towards excellence, but at the same time, they are subject matter expert. They got skin in the game. So they're working with the vice president of sales, commercial, so they don't get requirements. They are in the meetings with them. So answering the questions for them becomes much easier. Yeah. So our the person who leads our finance, Evelina, she's a CA. She mm -hmm. was a controller. The person who's in a commercial, Rami El Sharif, comes with an MBA in marketing, has mm -hmm. worked with startups in the marketing area. So we have found that concept of uh, the line between. Uh, so there are core functions that we have centralized, for example, data engineering and things like that. But uh, the approach that we have taken is centralized decentralization. We understand central cannot do everything. So 
we do the things that Central does very well, and then we have decentralized. One of the things that we have done around data platform is, uh, people can call me crazy, but we in our data marts, because we're using Snowflake, it gives us a lot of flexibility. In the data marts into the businesses and function their own data marts in the same platform, obviously, they actually have self-service data warehousing, meaning they actually have a schema called citizen developer, citizen user defined. So they get to play around and bring that uh, whatever data they need. It's similar to the concept of data mesh. So essentially we're trying to unlock their access. So if they have some data they need to do it, get it done. And then if they need to scale, come find the engineering team. So the engineering team doesn't die from thousand cuts. At the same time, we're only working on problems that needs to be scaled up with full power. So you're letting and enabling the business to, to innovate at scale, right? They're trying out new stuff continuously. When they land on something, then they engage your company. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if we have the more experimentation we have, as long as we have a safe and secure playground, mm -hmm. the more chance of innovation and like we say, right, we're a group of ordinary folks, but uh, we got something to learn from everyone. Mm -hmm. And we're taking very strong advantage of that. Mm -hmm. So talk to me, I'm, I'm picking up, I don't know, kind of a, like an underground thing here. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, we have uh, come, on, come clean, man. <laughs> so roughly at this point, uh, our major initiative has three pillars. What we are trying to do is, first of all, we're trying to move from data modeling. Sorry, we're trying to move to data modeling from reporting. Because the challenge becomes is we have all this concept of reports and dashboards that uses the same data. And we create hundreds and hundreds of data models to support it. Mm -hmm. Rather, we are focusing, we're crowdsourcing meaning that we're allowing people to do what I call organized chaos. We allow people to do whatever they want and we find the right models, we'll consolidate the models because then one model is capable of eliminating 99% of the reports in this specific domain. Mm -hmm. So that's one of our foundational pillars. Uh, the third one is Agile Data Platform, but the second one is embracing the community. We understand sitting centrally, we have no clue how to run the business or what the matrices mean. And uh, we have different analysis and all kinds of advanced stuff happening in different pockets, even in the same subject matter that doesn't have a proper collaboration. With that in mind, what we decided to do is uh, create a community. So the community is called Analytics Underground because majority of the work tends to happen in underground. So there is uh, two perspectives there. One is about the fact that um, we connect with where the work is happening. At the same time, it allows us to free some people from the drudgery they have. 
So it's essentially finding people, tunneling people underground out of the old to the new. And uh, we figured the success lies in empowering people, not enabling. Uh, the way I say it, enabling is teaching, how, teaching people how to fish. But if you don't give them a fishing rod, where are they going to get a fishing rod from? So our philosophy. So what we do is, <laughs> what we do is our philosophy is teach them how to fish, give them a fishing rod, a stocked pond, and be there to help. <laughs> so that's our definition of empowering, rather than just turning on something. It's like, hey, go figure this out. So, uh, and then because it's a community structure it allows us to scale. Meaning as we help people grow, they become part of the community. And as we have more people joining, they are there to help as well. So that allows us to, uh, people call it literacy or anything like that, but what I call is getting better than we were yesterday. And we can go on the journey together, trying to create a rising tide that lifts all boat. <laughs> So are there um, forums that uh, promote this collaboration across the embedded, um, you know, the business domain embedded folks and the people doing all these, all this cool stuff in the underground to get together and yes. share? So what we did is we have, uh, we're a Microsoft shop. So uh, we're using Teams. There's a Teams called Amix Underground where people are uh, with all kinds of resources and things like that. But what we do is we have a monthly underground meeting where we're talking about what's happening, what we're working on, uh, what has happened. Hey, let's look at something fancy someone else did, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, finding champions, show, showcasing success, and a platform for us to get feedback. But uh, a lot of the cool stuff that's starting to happen is we're trying to form what we call the um, specific community or focus groups. So for one of our ones, procurement one that launched, and then we realized everyone is doing similar analysis with similar data from the same source. So they are coordinating about creating a central model. They're coordinating, hey, we're doing this form of analysis that someone else can leverage. So that allows us to both in, go up on capacity and capability simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are launching our finance one. So they are focused around controllers. How do they do their do they do their job today, mm -hmm. and what would make it better? And they get to dis discuss amongst people with similar background. That's um, so we haven't really taken an ivory tower approach, meaning uh, we meet people where they are today. A uh, good example of that is uh, we went back and ran an Excel training. And guess what? That thing is popular as ever. The entire 20% of the company signed up for Excel training. I'm like, <laughs> that, that, that was uh, something to behold. So now uh, we also use this forum to figure out what training people are looking at. So we're doing training around Excel, Power BI. We're rolling out our foundations of SQL training. So we know it is not for everyone, but for those that want to, we want to give them a platform. And we certainly have a lot of 
folks hidden underground that hasn't found a way to surface. Mm -hmm. So this is our way of bringing them to surface and help them be successful for uh, showing them the true champion they are in creating value for the business. I love it. No more shadow IT. That is a concept of the past. I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been called shadow IT for the last yeah. 10 years, even when I was Don't in think. finance. <laughs> right? And even in IT, I'm called shadow IT. So, so, so you mentioned a little, I, I thought I caught with earlier, you mentioned some modern technologies. Talk to me a little bit about what you're doing there. So I think in today's world where it's impossible to get good talent, um, it's not because that there's not talent out there, but the technologies are so new, there's not enough of them trained in the th uh, things that we would like to do. Mm -hmm. And in a world where technologies are growing leaps and bounds, trying to catch up, it gets difficult. So what we have done is we have focused on simplifying our stack, meaning we have a high preference towards SaaS offerings, software as a service offerings. So for example, we love Snowflake, right? Because I, my limited engineering resource doesn't have to spend time optimizing or configuring this or that, scaling all that stuff that is can be a death to a warehouse. We can we focus on a single metric of active users per day to see the adoption of it, and Snowflake, for example, allows us to do that. So from that perspective, we are big into Snowflake. Uh, we actually experimented on Snowflake for nine months, trying to disprove the hype. And after that, we gave up and said, okay, this one passes the master, let's go, go full, full speed ahead on that one. So we have done that. We are test, uh, we really like DBT as well for a lot of our transformation. It scales things back and embraces SQL, which seems to go in and out of fashion, but is always there as a foundation. Just keeps coming back, don't it? It does. <laughs> so um, we're doing that. Uh, we are working to simplify with the platform. We're doing SnowSpark and a few other things around there. Mm -hmm. From one of the interesting technology that uh, we are really liking at this point for data catalog, we're using Atlan. Mm -hmm. What is and it about Atlan that you really like? The simplicity of it and obviously the price entry point. So I think okay. uh, Atlan is coming to the market. They have a different approach and they're focusing around adoption and they simplified their stack by being cloud only. So Atlan doesn't work on any on-prem sources. They're purely focused around cloud and uh, the entry point for Major dealer organization that want to try it out. Uh, that is good. And uh, we had a functioning production model, which is a beta demo in about two weeks. Mm. So from the complexity of the system perspective, that was good. Um, we're connecting Power BI and Snowflake. We're a big Power BI house. Uh, what we are trying to balance at this point is we're trying to take care of the self-service, self-empowering nature of the business in Power BI. 
However, we are also looking into some of the other stuff that's coming around, uh, around Sigma and then possibly looking in ThoughtSpot. The challenge we face is the centralization versus decentralization problem. Gotcha. The Power BI allows us to decentralize, ThoughtSpot fo forces us to centralize. And uh, so we're, as, as you can see, we are always experimenting. And, yeah. Right. Uh, right. So, so I think, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I got another go question, ahead. but I'm going to wait. <laughs> I think uh, one of my good friends, Justin Jones, uh, as I came to IT from finance, the first book that he handed me was The Phoenix Project. Mm. Right? Uh, the, uh, of the th th uh, three pillars, third one is about continuous experimentation, right? So we took that to heart. So people look at the number of successes we have, which looks fancy. The part they don't realize that's less than 2% of all the things that we have tried. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that we are continuously trying different things and figuring what works, what doesn't work, but uh, so that we don't invest a lot. Mm -hmm. We can figure out what works and then kind of go from there. You had a question? Yes. All right. So what cool data and analytic value are you generating right now? So we can go into active users per day, people that used to take sit there for two hours to get the information that comes in minutes and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, the approach that we have taken is foundationally simple meaning we are trying to get the right data in the hands of the right people at the right time. And that is getting faster. So that's all we care about rather than having, so I'll come clean. We are sometimes I can nerd out, but this is cool. However, <laughs> we try to balance that with the fact that are we solving the foundational problems and letting business solve the problem they need to, are we there to help them? Or we are focused on the tech stack. So yes, we talk about a lot about tech stacks, but at the end of the day, the coolest transformation I can see is the people. So I see people engaged, their, it's, their lives are improving, which is the biggest reward I can have. Okay, so your people that are, on the front line delivering things are delivering more things more quickly. What about the tech debt? Are you taking that down? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, our, technical our technical debt, because we could not focus on experimentation. The challenge with technical debt going back to Phoenix project and being agile if your working process keeps on going up, you can never experiment. Hence, the reduction in tech debt by simplifying our stack and using specialized tools that kind of run it on its own. For example, uh, on the integration side, uh, we use Fivetrack. We use Click Integrate. So instead of trying to custom build everything, so we'll customize the stuff we get but finding more of a SaaS offering instead of us trying to reinvent the wheel again, that significantly reduces our tech debt. Hence, freeing up our research to focus on enabling people access to the data. And um, 
rather than cool experimenters who tend to run all the time. Yeah, so you've got uh, much more satisfied business users, I'm perceiving. You've you know got, how that works. You're satisfied yeah, yeah. to them. Like, hey, I, from two hours to two minutes, and then like, why does it take two minutes? So there's, yeah, right. <laughs> there's a balance to that. But uh, well, we are, no, we are well, creators of our own demise, right? Um, yes. But and then your delivery teams are experiencing that joy of operational efficiency, right? I think so. I think yeah. uh, the operational efficiency and less dependence. Mm -hmm. Instead of dependence, it becomes a codependence, yeah. meaning we depend on them, they depend on us, and it creates a nice ecosystem that yeah. uh, allows us to move forward because all this other data that they want to experiment, we don't have to do it. They have mm -hmm. their access into their own area and they do what they want to do. Snowflake makes that possible. We have a budget that's specific to them. They can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And then they figure out something they need and they have tested for us, for them. Mm -hmm. And we'll just scale it for them. So speaking of dependency, you still are dependent on those operational systems to give you the raw materials to enable the analytics. Talk, so, can you share a little bit about the transformation in your relationship with your uh, operational application support teams? So you're talking about the application side of the house, correct? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So the part that I guess don't talk enough about is uh, we are not only embracing communities going forward, but we are also embracing our owners at the application layer. What we mean by that, well, we can talk about a partnership with our Oracle team. Our Oracle team is using a standard legacy BI system or the data extraction system. So what we're doing at that point, this point is we're using CDC to bring the data into Snowflake. And instead of us creating the business layer and things like that, we have created a partnership with our Oracle Analytics team. So they are the one that are becoming the owner of the Oracle data mark in Snowflake, and this empowers our applications team as well. So again, it's about finding a way to make them successful, not only us, mm -hmm. and finding a common ground where we are both successful. So I'll give an example from that perspective. We tested one of the performance something to run for one plan five years to 13 hours to run because it's an OLTP system. Versus on Snowflake, when we ran that, it took 11 seconds. For the entirety of all plans and all time, it took 11 minutes. Mm -hmm. So now they see the value, how it helps them be successful and help their customers. So we're trying to bring, become the bridge that connects the users and even the application layer perspective. So yeah. uh, instead of being like, hey, your data, my data, one of the foundational thing we're trying to change from a maturity perspective, it is our data. data yeah. How do we make each other successful? So that way they get to control the application logic. We don't have to figure out if the application logic changes because they're controlling it. The business user can ask access. We're actually letting them control that data marks access. Yep. So okay, makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. But so it doesn't I've, sound easy. Say it hard done, right? Yeah, but, right. 
It's a work in process. You've done a ton of transformation. So I'm loving the empowerment. And now we're doing the group hug, the embracement, right? <laughs> you, I, but really to bring the whole supply chain together with your applications peers at the table with you, all everybody realizing the good that mutual benefit all the way out to the end business. That's a pretty cool transformation, my friend. Teamwork makes dream work. <laughs> the man's got a million of them. <laughs> all right. Well, so okay. just it just comes down to the fact that I figured I'm not smart enough. So as long as I can get smart enough people to help me get there, we'll get there together. That's what a leader does, man. Hey, so what keeps you up at night? I think the we are very cloud. We're becoming very cloud dependent. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the recent months, you've noticed AWS going down, Azure having issues and things like that. The resiliency of the cloud becomes a challenge. It is, if you compare downtimes before and after, it's still much better than the downtime we had. Mm-hmm. The challenge becomes is when cloud goes down, we're stuck there twiddling our thumbs because we can do nothing about it. So uh, that is a challenge. Obviously, we are working with uh, redundancies and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. The other one that keeps anyone up at night to, in the, today's world is cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, making sure uh, we are secure from external bad players. Mm-hmm. That's where our choice of technology and at the same time, SaaS offering comes in handy so that we have, instead of us trying to figure out security from our data warehouse, we have hundreds of security specialists at Snowflake figuring out the security, keeping us safe. Uh, so those are the challenge. Um, again, we have tried to make this fundamental working with our cybersecurity team and at the same time taking uh, simple visible access. Instead of trying to look at things when things go wrong, we, for example, are proactively doing a partnership with Snowflake where they are bringing in their architects and we'll be doing a review of our thing. No one asked us to do it but we do some of these things proactively. So yeah. when it comes to security and compliance, we don't care out, right? Mm-hmm. So, because it's foundational. Playground has to be safe. You won't send your kids to a playground if the playground is not safe. Same That's thing true. is true for our data. So what advice would you give others um, so that they sleep well at night? I think we cannot fix it in one day, mm-hmm. right? And uh, from that perspective, the advice is simple. Try to be better than you were yesterday, but as you take the journey to be better than yesterday, figure out what, learn from other people's mistakes, find a good partner. For example, Mike, you remember we spent three weeks or four weeks where we're just going back and forth, like Mm -hmm. why we should try this or that. I was just trying to figure out what, what are the mistakes you have already done? I don't have to make it because you have already done this for me. Right? <laughs> so same thing, uh, as we share knowledge, there's some people I'm working with, uh, find a network, find your tribe. Essentially, you have to find your tribe to make yourself better mm-hmm. instead of trying to do this by yourself. Yeah, right, right. Takes a tribe. Raise We're a all kid, an inter- interconnected tribe, right? 
Yeah. Khalid, you were like a, just full of like one one line wonders. Yeah. I, I could find like stuff that Khalid said during our call because this is I'll just be better than you were yesterday. If that's not a great mantra for like these last couple of years, I don't know what else is. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I say that this is what my nutrition coach told me. I keep telling them that I fall off the fall off the cliff. They're like, you haven't fall off the cliff. You just stepped into a gutter. Just step back. Take that yeah. step out bottom there's no clip yeah. right so yeah but it gets better so clean you know that you lived in the states how has this program that you put together in this innovative mindset worked with you going to singapore it's almost like you weren't weighted down by you know being surrounded by executives and you're able to create you talk to me a little bit about that so the biggest advantage of being in Singapore is the number of meetings I have to attend. Because now to have meetings, it's... Because sometimes we forget spending the number of hours in back-to-back -back meetings, we're proud about it, but are we being productive? So from that perspective, that was one side of it, but not the primary reason for it. The primary reason for it was I'm someone who loves seeing different culture, different approaches, and we are a global company. So taking a mindset, for example, I think we talked about it before, and I'm actually trying to write an article about it. We call people there in offshore, it's like, they live offshore. There is nothing there is nothing offshore, right? So we have embraced the concept of a global team, even external yeah. consultants that work in our company, like for my team, they're part of the team. So instead of looking at human beings as disposable units, we look at them as human beings. We're all trying to grow together. The Singapore part helped because as we are trying to create, it was an investment from the people that looked at us that was in Asia. We have a fairly large presence in Asia and it for them, me being here, was a huge commitment that you matter and we're here to help. And I found some of my teammates here who were willing to join this uh, rebellion, sorry, revolution. <laughs> so, <The underground. laughs> so a revolution is only a successful revolution. That's, that's my take to it. Okay, one more question. An yes. inspirational one for the um, folks that are on the line. So apparently you were brought into your new position and one of the big guys came in and said, yeah, for $100,000, we'll like give you a whole assessment and a plan and it'll work for you. What did you do then? Uh, the challenge with those, that solution wouldn't have been a CMC solution. So sometimes people find, try to uh, find the best solution ever forgetting the best solution ever might not be best solution for the company. So what I was crazy enough to do in the midst <laughs> of taking a position, I went through the chief data officer program out of... Um, MIT? No. No, no, not MIT. I'm drawing a blank right now. I you know can, what you're talking you, about. You can, you can search for the CDO certificate. Hold on, I'll find it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you went to your management and said, give me this money. I'll go figure it out. Let me get a school. I'll go figure it out. And then you were just so much more intimate with it because you knew the needs of the company 
which was so inspiring when you told me that story. I was like, wow, that is uh, so cool. Dave's going to kill me. Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I couldn't remember it either. Car- Carnegie Mellon High School of Business, uh, Public Information. And they have a really good program. And it was, again, my journey about learning from the best. So we have Doug Laney, Craig Brebeck, I mean, foremost mind in each field coming and talking to us, right? And saying that, see, all that it comes down to it was the problems that we face and they face are not different. The people we face are different, which means the solutions are different. Mm-hmm. And uh, having that validation and the tools that we got from there help us come up with our own solution to solve the problem. Yep. Love it. And uh, in this process, uh, Mike can say the amount of questions I fired at him. So, <laughs> oh, it was a great, it was a great journey of exploration, right? How do I get out of this quagmire that I had? Yeah. Brilliant story. So a lot of interaction with leaders, the business leaders? And, yes. Yeah? Yes. So I think uh, the part that uh, I got a little bit, uh, I think I am all about hearing the problem mm-hmm. because they know the problem better than I, I do. Right. But a lot of time the challenge becomes is they also have a solution. So <laughs> Uh, I think this is where the biggest uh, one not I have to give my my boss, uh, our CTO, Jeff Dysert. Uh, he officially said we're not allowed to be order takers. Mm-hmm. We listen to your problem. It's our job to come up with a solution and then we come up with the best solution for the business instead of come trying to do solutions in different ways. A lot of design thinking, really understand the need before we design the problem or a solution to the problem. So, yeah. Empathy interviews. I love getting people to talk about their pain. Boy, do you get some goodness there. <laughs> we unite in our pain, right? Miser mm-hmm. loves company. <laughs> what a great story, my friend. Oh, my gosh. And so you're working with really cool technologies that fits your organization. You said you prefer SaaS over PaaS. Could you double click on that just for a moment? So think about this. We went from infrastructure as a service to platform as a service, now software as a service. Mm-hmm. In a world where we cannot find enough, find enough tech talent, the investments are worth it. So sometimes SaaS might look a little bit more expensive but it doesn't come with maintenance. Yep. So someone asked me what version of Snowflake are we in? I'm like, I don't know. The current one. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Snowflake manages that for us, right? Yeah. So I know the tier of Snowflake I'm in, whether it means you're in enterprise, business critical, things like that, what the yeah. features we get, how it works, it's their job to figure it out. I get a SOC to report, we'll test it if it doesn't work, but to keep it working, so sometimes, and especially with the growth of consumption-based pricing, you pay for what you consume. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the consumption unit might be higher per unit cost, but for in our case, our total cost went down. It allows us to pay for all the technologies we brought in. So That's great. And you took a great human approach around this thing to complete the whole transformation. Brilliant. What a great story. Khalid, I'm... 
forever in your debt and parting all his knowledge and Yay! the great one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be some kind of a record. That was awesome. And I'm sure you've inspired folks on this call. So oh, yeah. Hey, you get to go have some uh, waffles. What do you eat for breakfast in Singapore? Do you eat? Uh, we are a cosmopolitan family. We eat all kinds of stuff. So I have, you have Captain I, Crunch. Yeah, you can get Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm over there, I like having like sushi and rice and everything for breakfast. That's my preferred. But rice is too much for breakfast. Yeah. Yep. You're the best. Thank you. Thank for you so much. Yay. Great conversation. Thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you so All much. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.